Folks, we're, we're drawing near to the end of our series. We, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about encounters with Jesus. We've been talking about all these different times and events that actually really took place when Jesus himself encountered so many individuals. And we looked at the story. We looked at the narrative of what was said and what happened. And then, like always, whenever we try and teach the scriptures, we try and teach the word of the Lord, we try and then apply it to our lives. It's really, really important because God's given us his word. It's his word. It's his voice speaking to us today so that we wouldn't just be hearers of the word, but also doers of the word. And it's really, really important that whatever we're trying to learn or we're trying to hear God speak, 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 is that we then obey. We hear his voice and then we put one foot in front of the other and we begin to walk in obedience to what uh, ever God is saying to us. And so one of the things that we've said before and before and before and before and again and again and again is when Jesus shows up, everything changes. And there's a wonderful, wonderful story that we want to look at this morning. And uh, it's one of my favorite stories. It's uh, about Peter and about how Peter was restored by Jesus. In fact, it was a story that I taught on just over a year ago. I knew that I taught about it about a year ago. I thought, oh, can I get away with it again? Like, and, but then I thought, uh, hands up. Those of you who don't know, this is confession time, by the way. Those of you who don't already know this, because I've told you this, the last two Christmases in the Christmas service, who could tell that I spoke on exactly the same theme? Like, I know it's Jesus being born, right? And that's going to be the same theme every Christmas. But the kind of angle that I came at, anyone tell that I did the same thing? One, two. Did I tell you, though? So, okay, so I, I talked about the, Jesus being the light of the world, yes? How he, he's the light of the world, but he also says that we're the light of the world. Like, be honest with me. How many of you knew, thought, that was the same sermon the year before? Anyone? One. I told you, though. Must have done. I did. That was brilliant. Because it was so funny, because we were planning and preparing for the Christmas. And I said, I've got this brilliant idea. It was so stupid. I was saying to Sarah Ann about the worship and stuff. I said, we're going to do Jesus is the light. We're going to light a candle. And I'd even had this really cheesy thought about you getting your mobile phones out and switching the torch on and, and doing like this kind of thing, like a rock concert when you got the, old, the lighters out and all the rest in the old days. I had all these great ideas. I said, do you know what? I know that I've preached about that once upon a time. I just can't remember when. So when it came to actually preparing it, I then went through all my notes on my iPad and realized it was the year before. <laughs> How bad is that? So anyway, here's the sermon from... I think it was 2015, maybe April, rejigged, completely rejigged from a different angle. That would be wrong to do exactly the same um, sermon, Johnny Graham. Anyway, <laughs> oh, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't. Only if we're going somewhere else, maybe. Here we are. Stop it, stop it, Paul, stop it. Get to the point. Peter, a bit of, bit, bit of background, a bit of a lead-in into the passage that we really want to get to. Peter's just a legend, isn't he? And he's called to follow him and be a fisher of men. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net, for they were fishermen. Jesus says, come follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. This is the first encounter that Jesus has with Peter. And he's called Simon at this point. And he begins to speak 
his identity. This is really where I'm coming at this morning. This is the angle that I'm coming at. That Jesus calls out of Peter his identity. You're a fisherman, mate, but I am now calling out of you. This is your true identity. You're going to fish for men. This is who God made you, and this is what you will ultimately fulfill at some point. Second point, Peter walks on the water. There's loads of things. I just, you just love Peter, doesn't he? You just love, he just jumps in literally, with, physically, and he jumps in verbally so many times. And um, he walk, gets to walk on water. He's, uh, Jesus, one night, he's walking out on water towards the, the disciples. They're in the boat. And uh, Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, come. He says, uh, then Peter got down out of the boat and he walked on the water and came towards Jesus. It's really important that we hear that, that he came towards Jesus. Because there's such a posture of the heart in the physical of him coming towards Jesus. There's actually a direction of his physical being, which actually reflects the heart of what Peter is actually doing at the moment. And we know the story. We know he begins to panic and he starts to sink. But nonetheless, he was the only disciple that walked on water momentarily. Why? Because he had the courage to step out of the boat. And then we hear that Peter declares that Jesus is the Messiah. There's a time when Jesus is with the disciples and he's asking all these questions. Some of the people are saying he's this. Some of the people say he's, he's that. He's John the Baptist come back from the dead or he's this, that person. That. And Jesus says to his disciples, says, but what about you? Who do you say I am? And uh, Peter says uh, that you are the Messiah. You are the, the son of the living God. And at this point, Jesus again begins to speak Peter's true identity. He says, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Jesus wasn't having an identity crisis by asking, who am I? He was merely just asking the question. Peter declares to Jesus who he is. And in that moment, Jesus renames Simon to Peter. Peter, the name, means rock. And on that rock, he'll build his church. And many of us already know that. That was part of who his identity was. If you think you're Peter, just some old fisherman, you're going to fish for men. And I am going to build my church upon you. What a calling. What an unbelievable uh, mandate given from heaven to him. Peter promises boldly that he will stand with Jesus through thick and thin, through anything. And Jesus predicts and he tells his disciples the horrors that are going to occur. And Jesus says, you're all going to abandon me. You're just going to leg it. Whenever the going gets tough, you are going to leg it. And Peter says, I won't. I'll not do that. I will be with you. Uh, he says this, um, Jesus says to him, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And that's important in a minute. Peter replies, even if all, that means the rest of the disciples, fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered this very night before the cock crows, you will disown me three times or deny me three times. 
But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Jesus says, you're going to fall away, but don't worry, I'll see you again in Galilee. Peter says, I'll not fall away, I'll even die for you. And yet we know the story, many of us, that he denies even knowing Peter, uh, Jesus three times. The interesting point, and we might come back to this later, is that in that moment, instead of walking towards Jesus, remember the, that the, the Bible tells us that Peter followed at a distance. And it's really interesting for us to learn that when we're following Jesus from a distance, we are much more likely to deny him and to deny um, what God has called us to. So, the cross, the resurrection, we're fast-forwarding lots. At this moment, Jesus has already revealed himself two times to the disciples. I'm, this is all the preamble to the encounter. <laughs> this is the third occasion when Jesus reveals himself to several of the disciples and Peter. Peter is left devastated by what he has done. He has denied Jesus. He is left feeling guilty, shameful, that even though he promised he never would, he did. He's dishonored him. He abandoned him. And unless this was dealt with, he would carry the guilt and the shame for the rest of his life. And Jesus knew it. And Jesus knew that in order for Peter to actually step into his identity and his true calling, he needed to restore Peter. Let's read. We're in John 21. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, uh, they're in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples who don't get named were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out, they got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stands on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He calls out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the, of the large number of fish. Then the disciple, whom Jesus loved, that's John who's writing the book. He's not egocentric. It's just the way he writes. Uh, said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wraps his outer garment round him, for he had taken it off. Why is that important? I've got no idea. John just chose to write it, maybe. Maybe there's something in the original Greek. And jumped into the water. It's so Peter, isn't it? He, like, he puts his coat on to jump in the water. Maybe because it was, was going to be cold in the water and he needed his wetsuit on. Or you just don't know. He jumps into the water, but the other disciples, they were smarter. They followed in the boat. I, I would have remained in the boat myself, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about 100 meters. When they landed, 
they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. Who counted them? Maybe Matthew is one of them. He was good with numbers. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he raised from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. It's given to us because he loves us. It's given to us so that we might learn from these stories of when someone denies him but then is later restored. He gives this to us uh, so that we might put things into practice. I love it how Peter says, I'm going fishing. I'm going out to fish. You can even hear him saying it in that tone, can't you? It's like, what do we do when life goes pear-shaped? You know, I, I was even trying to get one of those images, gone fishing, you know, that you, you might see. I'm like, gone shopping, gone golfing, gone, gone, just gone, whatever it might be. What do we do when we mess up, when we're left with those feelings of all kinds of yucky? Where do we go and what do we do? Peter goes fishing. And not only does he go fishing, he takes six other disciples with him. There's seven and they've gone. Where do we go? Who do we go to? The answer, obviously, for us, we, of course, are going to say this. The person we go to for restoration, to speak to us, to heal us, to minister deeply to us, regardless of what season of the soul, is, of course, Jesus himself. Jesus knows this, that Peter needs restoration. And he goes to see them. He calls to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. This is brilliant and highlights just a number of things. First of all, Peter and the guys are rubbish at fishing. It's their job. It's what they got paid to do. But we know of a similar time, don't we? When all night they went out fishing and caught nothing. Deja vu, Rodney. We've been here before and there was another time when Jesus said something to us, cast them there again and they caught a big catch. We can read about that in Luke 5. They've been there before. Because you say so, we will cast the nets. Jesus has to be exercising a sense of humor. It's got to be. Have you any fish? <laughs> it's brilliant. He knows fine rightly they've got nothing. Brilliant. 153 fish. It is the Lord. They go to the land and Jesus is already there with a barbecue lit. With fish on it and some bread. And he says to them, come and have breakfast. None of them dare ask if it's Jesus. They know who it is. And Jesus begins to serve the seven guys. Here's your breakfast, guys. He's come. He's come to Galilee 
in order to have a conversation. And here is the conversation that he has with Peter. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he says, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus says, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus says, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Jesus begins to rewrite Peter's story. He was down and out on the ropes and he needed to be restored. And so many of us write ourselves off when we think we've gone too far, when we think we've disowned him, when we've messed up, mucked up or done whatever and we disqualify ourselves. And Jesus longs to restore us Control or delete, restore factory settings, whatever language we want to use, he wants to do that in us. And here is the conversation, the encounter which Peter needed. Peter had a massive mandate upon him. He was to start and lead the early church. And there's a massive contrast between the man that we see in this story and the man that days later stands up on the day of Pentecost and preaches an absolute belter sermon and 3,000 people give their lives to Jesus. Had Jesus not had the conversation with Peter, Peter would not have done that. And he would never have fulfilled the God-given destiny for himself. And as I look out and as I share those words with you and I see all the nods and I thank you for them because it encourages me because I think we're on the money here. We think that this is the word of the Lord to us that we realize and recognize that we too require restoration in all manner of areas of our lives, be it things that we have done or be it things that have been done to us. It is important that we have the encounter with Jesus, that we allow his words to speak to our hearts and that we choose to obey whatever he is saying to us. In the narrative, he says this, that I will lead you to places that you do not want to go. And it was to indicate the kind of death that he would have to glorify him. Peter, years later, dies a horrific death. He is crucified in a cross, in an X shape, upside down. When Jesus speaks to us, he gives us life in all its fullness but he leads us often to places and people we do not want to go. And last week at the space uh, conference, the space conference, for the young adults, the, the standout phrase was co uh, concept versus commitment. And, uh, and it was shared, and so many people really resonated with it. We love the concept, don't we, of God loves me, 
God's called me, God's dreamt over me and given me God-given dreams and desires in me. And yes, I want to see this and I want to do that and I want to, because as we do those things, we come alive. But boy, there's a commitment required to put one step in front of the other, in front of the other, to places and to people that we do not want to go. It's a concept versus commitment. But again, it's in a Godward direction, leading towards Jesus. Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? You could understand that Peter was getting hurt and annoyed. But it was a stark reminder of the three times that Peter had denied Jesus. And he needed to go through that process of seeing, man, yeah, fair play. Each time he says, feed my lambs or feed my sheep. Again, he is speaking Peter's true identity. You're a fisher of men. You're the rock in which I'm going to build my church. And you are a shepherd to lost sheep. Three different things that Jesus calls out of individuals. And it is important that we dial in and we hear the voice of Jesus for ourselves. And we understand who we are, what we're made for, and what we're called to. And that we begin to act in obedience.